Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider. It's spring break at Notre Dame, so a week off from Notre Dame football. Looking forward to getting back on the football field next week with the Fighting Irish, and we will be there, Irish Illustrated and others. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley. We're looking forward, Tim, to, to getting back to uh, uh, you know some, some football, some concrete stuff to talk about because – Notre Dame's been on spring break, and we've been uh, working the uh, the Chip Long Clark Lee interviews for all that we can for about ten days. But it's time to start looking uh, into next week and what we're looking forward to, um, you know, offensively and defensively, and who are the guys that you're interested in seeing when we get back at it next week. You know, we get to see practice after practice after practice starting next week. Where there's a there's a Thursday, there's a Saturday, there's there's you'll you'll see that a lot, and they'll be padded. <laughs> It's it's a it's it's a time of the spring where we really do find out a lot about future teams. It's just not always the team in 2019. But you see guys that are working new positions. I'll never forget being at practice and watching young Sam Mustafer struggle snapping. And you're thinking, well, is this going to come along? And then a year later, he's the starting center in Notre Dame. It comes along. You see guys you thought were going to be really good getting pushed around as upperclassmen, and you know that might be it for them. And in this case. We get to watch a guy we really want to see develop. We've been talking about all offseason, Houston Griffith, because I wrote a story about losing Julian Love. When Clark Lee uses elite for a skill set, he's not he's not prone to hyperbole. No, no, he's not. And and you know, I, I was just going to say on the flip side, and I wrote about it a little bit yesterday in Thursday Thoughts that um, you know when it when it comes to Chip Long. If you if you lob him a, a, a softball question, he will he will say positive things about that player. But if you ask what he needs to do to take the next step, he will be he'll give you a critical analysis. Likewise, I mean when he starts talking about a leader in every group, he's yeah. not going he is not going to make that up and volunteer that information. I thought that was some of the more uh, significant uh, one of the more significant things that came out of that because he truly does believe that Ian Book's a leader of the quarterbacks and that Jafar Armstrong and Tony Jones also which is new to to Tony Jones this spring Um, definitely Chase Claypool and Chris Fink Uh, definitely Komet and Wright at tight end and then the offensive line he spoke glowingly about a lot of guys there so you know, I mean, you can read too much into an interview situation, but I think we also get to know these personalities. And you know, if they go in this direction, uh, there's some significance to it. And I would think the one position you might be searching for a leader, because defensive line safety, you know, you're replete with them. Troy Pride will step up and, and teach the younger corners, I think. Obviously, linebacker is one, because it's hard to lead for a guy like Bilal or John Jones until you've cemented a spot. But they have Clark Lee as their position coach. They do, and I don't know that. I mean, Bilal is not. You know, Bilal relied so much on Drew Tranquil when he was here. Bilal's just he's not comfortable in interview situations, and and I don't think that he's a vocal leader on the right. field, and so that's not necessarily who he is. So your point is taken that he's learning a new position anyway. So I don't know really who emerges at at linebacker, and you know, I I've said this before. We're going to speculate about linebackers from now until probably into the season because I'm not sure that that will be completely resolved once they start start the season. We may need to do every other podcast. We just don't speak of linebackers. They're going to be talking about linebackers so much. Well, maybe. <laughs> there's going but, to be but, so many. Well, you and I, just before this, talked about how guys that aren't starting now we think will start. It's yeah. just there's no position we ever come into to talk about and say, well, these two guys aren't starting now, but we think they will start. It's well, just the, a strange and And, and just, to be, just to be clear, uh, I mean, we're – 
for me, it's, you know, I think it, Jordan Jim Markeith, I think is just too good of a presence and athlete to just sit idly by next season. And Jack Lamb, I think we both feel like he's going to come on really strong. It's probably too good of a football player to sit <laughs> idly by. But key is, can he, it's the only, in fairness to Jack Lamb, he'd lost a lot of no conditioning. Doubt. But so. we know that Clark Lee loved him from the moment right. that he set foot on the practice field last spring. Yeah, yeah. And then he, then he just couldn't stay. And then he couldn't do it. Right, he couldn't really do it. Make it harder he he for couldn't do it. So, you know, I mean, guys that I'm looking forward to seeing, I, I want to see, I want to see what Chip Long sees in Tony Jones Jr. You know, and I, I maybe that won't be quite as visible because I think that's more of a maturity yeah. thing in the way he carries himself, the way he treats each practice. I'm not sure that's visible to us, per se, unless we're in the huddle. And I don't think we'll be there. Um, you know, Braden Lindsay catching the football better, Lawrence Keys. I don't... You know, I don't know that much was said about Joe Wilkins, but I think that they're high on him. And then the Kevin Austin thing, I mean, they're not they're not saying a lot of positive things about him. And, I, you know, I don't want to blow it out of proportion right. because it's spring. He does need to make a move. I think Michael Young is clearly going to be the starter regardless. Um, Kevin Austin can make huge strides from spring practice 4 to 15 and in the summer. But he hasn't started to make those strides, and you hoped he would in winter conditioning. And off the field, whatever that means, because if you end a season not traveling twice and you're just not part of the conversation when you were starting the season, it reflects badly on your development as a freshman. He started the season in the rotation and he ended it not traveling. It is no, there's no doubt. You know, I mean, when you're when you're a freshman, whether you're behaving or misbehaving, you're you're always kind of on as a freshman. You're always kind of on quote probation <laughs> to prove yourself. I don't mean that literally, but I mean you're you're in a position where every day you're making first and second impressions with the coaching staff. So you have to prove yourself early on. And if you don't, not necessarily just how they play football, but prove yourself yeah, in yeah. the way you handle you know everything on and off the field, that's an impression that sticks with a coach and you you it's up to you to change that impression and it doesn't sound like he's done that yet. I think it's a question to ask Chip Long the second time and Brian Kelly at the end because he's not going to change it in one or two practices either. They're looking for a consistency out of a guy that they want to trust and start. True, but think about what Braden Lindsay did within the first couple days. Now, that's that's I different. He that had was a good a, conditioning season though too. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he gained yeah. weight and he caught the ball really well. But I mean, think about Chip Long volunteering that information. Mm-hmm. Now that was an instance where I believe he volunteered that information. Yeah, which then makes it significant. And Brock Wright, I didn't ask about Brock Wright. Right, I asked about Kevin Austin. And he, and he yes, talked about and those he ended two. up. Yeah. Yes, he t- ended up talking about those two. So that's significant. Let's briefly talk about because segment two obviously would be all, all football questions, and I wanted to briefly talk about. Pro Day, which is coming up next week, 17 players, including three former players in Corey Holmes, Justin Brent, and Nick Watkins that will be participating. Um, some guys don't have a whole lot to prove, like Miles say. Boykin. Yeah, Miles Boykin. Yeah, Jerry Tillery, of course, coming off the shoulder surgery, and then Drew Tranquil, who had a great. Yeah, Tranquil. Uh, did everything. everything he needed to do at this point. I yeah, I mean, you go, back, you go back to two quality seasons at two different positions, a great week at Senior Bowl, a great week uh, in Indianapolis. He doesn't have much to prove. But uh, Sam Mustafer has a lot to prove. Dexter Williams could run better. Dexter Williams needs to run better. Julian Love, will he try to 
He would he run a four five four? I'm sure he'll try to improve it, right? You would think he's probably you you would think, but I mean, he, you know, some of the other measurables that are good for him, like a three cone drill, which yeah. he ran well, he probably doesn't probably doesn't need to do that again. Um, let's see who else. Elise Mack, he had a he had a good combine, I think, all things considered. But he's going to have to show, you know, what they need to do is put him in pads and have him have a tackler come in at his thighs and see if he can break a yeah, tackle. Yeah, that's Max. <laughs> I mean, I think Mack's training camp is what. <laughs> yeah, Tavon, Tavon Coney skipped a lot of the drills, and so right. that so pro day will be uh, that'll be a big day for him. And then other participants, Alex Bars, will see how much further along he is. I still doubt that he's going to be doing a lot of. Side to side stuff. Jonathan Bonner will be there. Nick Coleman will be there. This is, you know, Nick Coleman uh, Tyler can Newsom. run, and he didn't get to run. So I, I would, I'm curious to see what Nick Coleman's forty time is if he's been training solely for the forty as a nickelback. Right, right. Uh, Nick Wisher will be participating. You mentioned Dexter Williams being a a, a big day for him. Uh, Justin Yoon will be there as well. I would imagine Justin Yoon gets in a camp. His range will hurt him, uh, but I think his efficiency certainly will help him. So. I, you know, he probably gets in a camp, doesn't oh, yeah. he? Yeah, he was too. He, he was, was too, too accurate. accurate yeah, but the the problem is in the NFL now. If you're not, if you can't bang one from fifty seven, they're so accurate you know, now in the NFL. It's a different the, world, right? And they're 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 kicking footballs that just came right out of the box. You know, I mean, they look slick. You can tell on TV they look. You know, and then the, the goal. Roma. Yeah, <laughs> right. It, yeah, exactly. Uh, and the goalposts are tighter, so obviously it'll be difficult. But we'll we'll be there for pro day. It'll be a busy day. With all of them, segment one we we want to wrap up, and we have spared people basketball talk. I think in the last couple of podcasts, but we do want to wrap it up since their season ended with a uh, decisive loss to to Louisville the other day, which wasn't a great surprise. Their performance against Georgia Tech the day before was because, and that's why my story was shoot it, make it, win it, because that's basically what it came down to. Yeah. If you if you and, and and pretty much all season for Notre Dame. If they had shot it better, they would have won more games, but they couldn't do that. Um, you know, the disappointing part for me, and TJ Gibbs finished on a high note, and I wrote about this in Thursday Thoughts. I mean, I just he was hard to watch as a player. They were hard to watch as a as a basketball team. And uh I just I he didn't show a lot of leadership. You hear that um uh, behind the scenes as well. And, um, you know, and then you the end with a DJ Harvey um, hamstring issue. And, you know, Leshevsky takes a bad spill after scoring 23 at Pittsburgh and 14 in the first half against yeah. Georgia Tech. And then he starts, which is great. He bounced back, but he, he came up with nothing. I mean, it was pretty much the, that team the whole year. You know, the thing with Gibbs that I think has to completely change is – he has to shoot and score some, some points for Notre Dame next year. He can't be a volume shooter. P.J. Gibbs doesn't need 18 shots in any game ever. Well, unless, unless he's hot. Well, unless he shoots it like he did the right. previous year, sophomore year. Yeah, I mean, sure, he, was a good, sure. he, he was a good shooter last year. All year long, he is taking terrible shots. He's just not a guy that needs to take 18 shots no matter where they're from. He could be part of the flow of the offense. I mean, if you have John Mooney play the same level next year, and T.J. Gibbs play as he did as a sophomore. Right. That is what. How hard is it to ask a guy like that's talented like that to play like he did as a sophomore? 
Yeah, I, I, with I don't, you know, I don't leadership understand. On and off the court. Still, I don't either. He, he still can't. He can't penetrate with his left hand, which is just that's why that's part of volume. Like he, he shouldn't be facilitating everything. He could be a great part of it. Not great. He could be a very valuable part of a Mike Bray offense. But they need TJ Gibbs to be less important or, or less involved in the offense, but be on the court. Hub will just continue. Hub is going to continue to get better. He he does. Yeah. He's, he has to get stronger. But I mean, that's one of the few encouraging. That, that's one of the few players that you can say, "Wow, well, he definitely improved as the season went on." I know his shot. It drove me crazy yeah. when he got called for another ten second call in the backcourt. Yeah, that was that was. I mean, that should I don't happen. Understand it. Once in your life. Once in your life. <laughs> yes. It was twice in one season, and that that drove me crazy. But I want to talk about two people here real quickly, and and I want Rex Fluger. Look, I realize he's not a good shooter. I realize that you know he drove people crazy, but you had, but you certainly you understand the game of basketball and what he would have brought to that team in terms of leadership, cohesion, stability, getting other guys to play better, getting other guys to play their role. He can only do so much sitting from the bench. Yeah, and and yeah. he would he would have made a significant difference not because he's a great basketball player, but because he's a chemistry player and he's a great leader. They're void of on court leadership. Yeah, I mean, Mooney did it. With, Mooney's not going to do it with words. No, He's going to do it with action. That's who he is. It, it, it's you. Look, I I talked to for a story. I talked to Pat Connaughton about turning it around after 2014 when they were six and twelve. This team is not going to do what that team did. Going to the elite. No, after that. good the, the, lord. The talent level of Pat Connaughton, Jaron Grant, Demetrius Jackson, Zach August, Steve Astoria, bringing in Bonzi Colson, VJ Beecham becoming a viable player. That does not exist on this team, but there is a a two year turnaround possible for this team when they're you know they bring everybody back. They're going to lose Mooney and Gibbs. It's going to hurt to lose Mooney in a couple of years, but these guys can grow together, and that's what Pat Connaughton said. They can grow from this experience because the freshmen just are going to be better basketball players. I know people are like, well, just because, and I kind of agree with you. Just because you get older doesn't mean you get better. Right. TJ Gibbs didn't. You know, Lashevsky's going to become a good shooting stretch for. Because he's a good shooter, he, <laughs> yeah. he is. He just he, he his emotions have gotten the best of him. I believe Carmody will be a scrappy, good basketball player over the next two years, and Dane Goodwin will progress to be a Mike Bray system player over the next two years, and Prentice Hub will become a quality point guard over the next two years. And you have a guy that Mike Bray has said is going to take four years. If Juwan Durham just takes two more, you have a seven footer in a lineup at Notre Dame. Yeah. You can't rely on John Durham to score. Or John Durham, John Durham to score a lot of points. But you, Notre Dame doesn't get seven footers to be in the middle of their defense. Right, they and have he, some pieces. He certainly showed enough to give you confidence that he's going to become a, a player. Now, right, you know, it's a consistency factor with him. It's a toughness factor with him. Yeah, he, it's a strength factor with him. He showed he came he came back puny after the injury when he was playing really well. He needs John Mooney next to him for two years. He's got him for one year. He does. One last thing I want to say to wrap this up, and then we're done with basketball, although I think we do have one question at the bottom. It's a good question. I don't want to – I don't – well, yeah, it is. I don't want to – you know, I feel like I, I've been critical of the team, but not like blatantly, openly critical of Mike Bray. I, I think it kind of goes hand in hand, yeah. though, when you criticize the team. But I do want to say that – he did a terrible job of coaching this year. He did he did a terrible job of of failing to bring out the best in these players. And I, you know, I mean, at some point, and look, we know Mike Bray. We know behind closed doors, he he can be tough on his team. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, we we we're aware of that. We don't see that in public, and that's just the way he is. But I do feel, to a large extent, 
this this team was coddled a little bit too much. I agree. I, I, he usually pushes the right buttons behind the scenes to get. That's why they always improve. If you recall, the team that lost to Xavier, they went thirteen and five in the Big East. They lost Tim Abramitis, who was the star of the team coming yes. back from a U.S. national team. They had nothing. They lost Carlton Scott unexpectedly left. They lost Tim Abramitis. They got blown out by Missouri. I think it was thirty. It could have been eighty. I don't remember the final score. They got beaten so badly. They got killed at Gonzaga, and he thought. What are we going to do? And they go thirteen and five right. in the Big East. He pushed right buttons there. Right. This team couldn't go ten and or uh, nine and nine in the ACC, but no buttons were pushed properly. Well, you, you can't you, allow. I, I don't care what right. the I, can, I don't care what the situation is. You can't allow TJ Gibbs to play the type of game that he played. You cannot allow DJ Harvey to play the type of game that he played. There has to be standards to the way your team functions. Yeah. And they were allowed to whatever, you know, because they were struggling and you didn't what you didn't you didn't want to be tough on them because you might lose them. Well, then you're going to lose the whole team, which is basically what you did because you played 20 ACC teams and you lost 16 times. I would see a I think we'll see a pretty big change in approach over the offseason. Well, I would like to think so. I would like to think so. And he can treat that team a little bit differently next year and they will be better. Segment two, burning up the boards. We'll be right back. Welcome back to segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, Burning Up the Boards. Our first question from ND Fan 101 How relieved were you when Notre Dame's name was not brought up in the admission scandal? I, I have to admit that that's the first thought that crosses your mind, right? Yes. Well, no, the first thought is, well, Norton can't be involved. The second thought is, holy crap, what if they are? Uh, the third thing is, if Nordham had been involved, maybe we would have had a chance to see Lori Laughlin in person. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But You know, uh, my actual first thought was, I saw on Twitter Lori Laughlin's picture about an admission scandal. And we live in a world now <laughs> where it seems that all things are made up. It took three sightings, not two for me, to realize there was a true admission scandal going on with the FBI. What did, what did you think I just it thought was? it was something dumb on the internet. Like, 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 <laughs> like, Wait a minute, no. <laughs> never, something... never. Like Manti Teo was pictured with the IMG scandal. Did you see that? They pictured Manti Teo. Oh, I know, I know. So that was just a random dumb internet thing. But it was, it really, there really is a scandal. But the only Manti Teo thing is he had a shirt on that said IMG. You know what, I did see when that. When I and see I thought... stuff, I think it's fake automatically now. Yeah. So well, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we were definitely relieved. A uh, couple questions here, similar questions. First one from at B-Man underscore 2017. Nordames over under recently came out at 9.5 for the 2019 season, which is a really good line. What are you What are you taking? And we both agree that's the that has to be the line. Right. That is the perfect this line. This year. There's three hard road games. Yep. And there's at least, I mean, really hard road games in, in, in that they never win at Stanford, though they should be better than Stanford. Michigan, obviously, is just going to be a crazy scene. And going to Georgia. And Georgia is a ridiculous hard game. They'll, they'll be more than a touchdown underdog in that one. And then, I don't know if there's any other... I don't I don't consider Louisville a trap because at the beginning of the year, if you can't beat Louisville, preparing for... What are we talking about? As Pete would say, no, some, what are we talking about if they can't beat Louisville? No, it's true. Prepare, I mean, right? there's some there's some good things being said with the coaching transition down there. Which, Win a game you know, 31-21, you don't lose to Louisville. Right. Oh, no, no, yeah, no. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, I think there's a couple home traps. Both Virginia and Virginia Tech are just... When you're following those games... Virginia's on the yeah. rise. And it, the Virginia and Virginia Tech games follow... When, you, when you've played Georgia and you have USC coming up, I know there's a buy. It's just the focus on those teams can be hard. Look, Notre Dame is, is not – they will always have one, just like Pitt. You're, you, you, ha, you can't focus on every home No, game. there's no but, doubt. There's no um, doubt. I would say 
I would have to bet. This is 12 games, of course. I would have to bet 9, not 10. What did I say last week? 10. I'm changing that. Well, I wouldn't. Let's put it this way: I wouldn't bet it. Because, I wouldn't bet either one. I would because that's, that's I, why it's a good line. Because it's I, I'm the, you know, like I'm. To me, that and again, it's not the same situation. But the, with everybody, they lost in 2015 and then 2016. They're not going to go four and eight. That's no, not no, going no. to happen because they're too talented. They got too much talent coming back. But you know, when I when we go down this list of guys that are going to be a pro day next week, yeah. they lost a lot of talent. This is Notre Dame. It's not Clemson. It's not. Alabama, it's not, you know, it's it's Notre Dame. It's different. So you do have to rebuild. Your linebacking core is unsettled. The offensive line needs to improve tremendously. You just lost a great corner. You just lost it. You don't do you have a breakaway running back. You lost your most reliable receiver, although I think they can replace him. I just I wouldn't bet ten right now. I, I just I I I don't. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know what was in my head last week, but I can't do that based upon. You didn't want me abstaining. That's why you said. Well, that. maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe it was because I think certainly they're capable. I'm not saying that they won't do that. Yeah, everyone right now is explaining how they're going to kill Stanford and right. Virginia. But if you're talking about betting at a nine point five, I'm not betting ten right now. I wouldn't either because we haven't seen enough of them. I, I think it's the second biggest talent drain of the Kelly era behind 2015. Behind 2015. If you. The one way I think they get around it is the guy they have a pass rush, a legitimate yes. deep pass rush. Huge. The offensive line and a veteran and, and a better offensive line coming back. And the back offensive the line year. should be better and a veteran quarterback coming back and they have enough pieces offensively. So, you can mitigate everything we just said and the best safety play coming and into no a doubt. season no in seven or eight it. years. No doubt. So, about they it. mitigate a lot of the talent losses and some young guys are going to be they've they've recruited well, they're going to have some good young players coming up, but Till, look, last year, because Tillery, Coney, and Tranquil came back, you had the team you had. Sometimes it's who comes back. Well, that's exactly where I mean, they did, know, if look, Love and Boykin came back, I would feel a little differently. Yeah, Clark Lee's a good defensive coordinator. He's going to be a good defensive coordinator. But he had, if he hadn't had Coney, Tranquil, Tillery back last year, People it would, not it would love have been him right. right. <laughs> it would have. It would have been. It most likely would have been a different situation. Likewise, we also have to say. The, the the biggest reason why 2019 is not like 2016 is because Clark Lee's a defensive coordinator. Yeah. And Brian Van Gorder was awful and didn't know how to teach college-age football players. They also have better players, too. Like They, they, they do. This, they're much they better do. players coming back and, as I said, much better important positions coming back. You have – that was the team that couldn't get a sack in, yeah. co- in modern college. Yeah. But they, you only bring that up because 2015 was a giant talent yes, drain. Yes, exactly. That's that's the, comparison that's the comparison is the talent there. drain. And the second question to this is from at Greg2126. Did that, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, Greg2126. Did the 2018 season shift the perception that Notre Dame is a 9-3 program? Would nine wins be a disappointment? How close is the program to being schedule-proof aside from matchups against top six programs? The last part first, they're not... At all, schedule proof. Notre Dame will never ever. I, I don't. I don't believe Notre Dame will ever be schedule. I don't think they ever have been. I think they've had some twelve and zero seasons, and they happen to have twelve and zero seasons because they did a great job. Yeah, I mean, eighty eight and eighty nine. Air Parsian lost to Missouri three nothing at yeah. home. I, the third best team. Yeah, they're perfect. And the third best team <laughs> of my viewing era lost to Boston College at home on Senior Day. Now I know they were hot and good, but they were a thirteen point favorite. Going to that game, yeah. so let's not. I don't think you could be schedule proof. They could have lost to Pitt last year. Is the, is the one on here? Not, they could have lost to USC. And last nine year. wins would not, well. Nine wins is always a disappointment, but it is more so now because you've won ten three of the last four years. 
Nine wins is certainly a disappointment purgatory. for fans. It's purgatory. It's Notre Dame football it. purgatory. That's why people hated this last question or answers that they could would think they'd win nine instead of ten because ten is fun and nine is not. Well, I get that. I'm just saying I wouldn't bet ten totally right agree. now. Totally agree. And I have the feel. I have the same feeling about. Uh, I've always thought, in you know, this is no way to think about it as a coach or ranking teams, but it's so much more fun to start well and keeps everyone interest for a while. The 2017 teams, the lone team I can remember where they lost, and they bounced back so quickly as you predicted, you thought, that's okay, that yeah. loss is okay. Usually you lose one in September at Notre Dame, and it's just like, ugh. The yeah, no title's doubt. off the table. But I think I may have just gotten lucky a little bit. You had a lot of faith in them. They I did, because that, there were so many yeah. components there that, that, that I liked. Uh, nine and three is always it won't be fun for Notre Dame fans because, as you said, they've been good recently. Yeah, I'll but they're not. One year. But Notre Dame, they are not for the rest proof. of our lives. Yeah. Notre Dame is not schedule proof because college football has changed to the point where it's not like. I mean, it's not even for, let alone Parsegian. It's not even. It's not even close to what it was like in the Holtz days. They're not. They're, they can't corner the market on talent anymore. It's just not going to ever happen because the game has expanded to the point where. You know, players are going. Players are going to go anywhere, wherever they can, wherever they have a better chance of making it in the NFL. And Notre Dame's not that because the academic restrictions and that that you're going to face. They did a great job last year of navigating the schedule, but schedule it wasn't schedule. The schedule they just proved, did a great job. Well, the schedule proved easier too. You know, in a lot of respects, it did. But Syracuse proved to be a way more difficult True. challenge going to the game than we ever thought right. it could have been. We just thought that was a dumb move. All of a sudden, it was a dumb move against a top 15 team and a top 12 offense. And then all of a sudden, it didn't matter. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it didn't matter right. because that was Notre Dame's right. best game by far. But you know what? Schedule proof, I will say this. Notre Dame is better than USC next year. They're better than Virginia Tech, and they're better than Virginia, and they're all at home. And I two of those games, schedule, yeah. I know, that's why I had to look it up. And two of those games are going to be a problem, whether they win or lose. Two of Virginia, Virginia Tech, and USC at home will be a problem. You know, playing Boston College late in the year, a physical team, you know, whatever. It's, this is yeah. the time of year where I'm paranoid about everybody, right. so whatever. Navy, just kidding. Right <laughs> yeah, at way to go, K-Man. If you had to pick a player who is currently not in the too deep to make an impact this season, who would it be? Well, if Lamb counts, Lamb. Uh, I think he's probably kind of forging his way into that Lamb, Lamb, right at, the, Lamb uh, at this point, at least uh, the way we speculate with the depth chart, um, that would be... He would be a third teamer, although I, I yeah, have trouble believing. He's I a would third I teamer. would throw out the name Joe Wilkins. I'm not exactly yeah. sure where he is on the depth chart. Well, first of all, it, with regard to the question, I mean there may not there may not be an answer to the question. It right. may we, it we, may just be the top two two first and second teams, and that's fine. Yeah, make an impact is relative. Like uh, I think Justin uh, Adamola could keep getting better, and make an impact, make an impact. One of the Certainly, Tackus or Tremble could be a guy right. that makes right. an impact. Um, well, a running back. Nobody on nobody on the offensive line. Certainly, the running yeah the running back situation could it it could be Jameer Smith. It could be Kyron Williams. Running back it could is be Sebo Flemister. Running yeah, back's the most likely. That's true because they're going to play more than two. If you're hitting a third team corner, you've probably had some injuries and that that's rough. Although uh, we both like Noah Boykin as a third team corner if he can kind of keep it together and is he third team? I think so. When everybody's back, right? Whenever so well, he ran when, out there with a third team, when, but that doesn't mean anything. Uh, no, point. I don't yeah. think I don't think it does. I, I think it's hard to, you know, you don't you don't even have three teams of safeties right now. Running back is the best answer, unless Jack Lamb counts for me. Uh, a third team defensive end with the way their defense yeah. ends are. Yeah. I mean, Justin Adamiola could be a guy that, you know, Jameer Jones, if they choose to play him, could be a guy. But 
you know, there's so much talent in the first and second units yeah. that you're probably it's, not going to get a whole lot. Williams our guy for that one, I think. Yeah. Uh, Irish Twofer, do you get the sense that the players have a good relationship with Chip Long? Do they believe he cares about them more than wins and losses? Um, I think that they... Do you they, guys care about them more than wins I and losses? Think, How's that? Can I, can I ask that to everybody listening? He's tough, he's tough on them. And, and, and um, I had a lot of young men play for me at Marion High School that thought I cared more about wins and losses than I did about them. Now, that wasn't, that wasn't true, but everybody has their coaching style, and and Chip Long is very, very tough on them. I think there are times when they think, yes, winning and losing to Chip Long is more important than their individual needs. I think Chip Long cares about them more than winning and losing, but I think if they let him down, he does not suffer fools in that situation. Does that make sense? If yes. Kevin Austin and anybody that's ever been... Actually, quit saying Kevin Austin. If anybody that's ever been in Chip Long's doghouse... Turns it around 100% and gives everything they have, and Notre Dame loses the game. Chip Long will greatly respect that person for trying as hard yes. as he possibly could. And Chip could. Long gets paid a lot of money yes. to put out a winning offense. So, you know, I know we live in an age now where, see, we grew up in an age where it was the team first and the players need second, and that's not how players feel today. I will bring up Pat Connaughton's name again because you have once called him the greatest captain in not in Notre Dame basketball history, but possibly in the history of Notre Dame sports. <laughs> One of the great ones. Samson, Pat, yes. Samson will like when he hears yes. that I said yeah, that. Yeah, the greatest, yes. <laughs> Pat Connaughton literally said our entire focus in the offseason was the team first, and I know right now you're laughing. He said that to me, interview him, because everybody says that because it sounds so great to say. But we actually made sure it was 100% true because individual success comes after God, team I success. I miss him. you got to give me his number so <laughs> yeah. I can just talk to him just for a little bit. talk to him bit. about the Bucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, about anything. Just talk to him. Uh, CMU Pens fan, in order to make it back to the playoffs this year, does Ian Book have to be the most improved player on Indy's 2019 roster? If not Book, then who? I mean, improve from the very end of the year would make sense. Uh, if Ian Book has the same regular season, I guess we can't throw out Clemson because the point is... Well, you can't, but I, I, I mean, I do object to the question. I the guy too. was completing 75% was, of his yeah. passes and led him to the playoffs. And, the reason, mean, and when he struggled a little, he had a broken rib. I mean, it's... Yeah, and when he that. struggled against Clemson, A, he wasn't getting much help, and B, yeah, okay, he got caught up in the in the, the moment. I, 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 I'll not grant you that. He's not number one. Absolutely not. Course, I mean, I can... But, Liam Eikenberg. Uh, Tommy Kramer. Tommy Kramer, Liam Eikenberg. Um, uh, uh, Cole Houston, Komet and Brock Wright. Houston Griffith. Houston, yeah, there's it's across the board more than him. Uh, Tony Jones. Jafar Armstrong, as much as we like him, has to improve a lot. Uh, the third receiver. The th- yeah, the th- you know, I, I just think, I, 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 again, I get back to Ian Book is the is way, way, way down on the list of concerns with yeah, Notre Dame Yeah, I think there's right a now. weird Notre Dame media thing going on with Ian Book right now. And we are being victimized by this question. <laughs> Does that make any sense to you? What I'm a, saying? Me- a media thing? Yeah, I think thing? there's some weird conversations that Ian Book was a problem. It was a problem against Clemson, man. That's that's. I agree. He had a bad day against Clemson. Chip Long believes he had a bad day against Clemson. And Chip, Ian Long had, he had a, Chip Long, Chip Long had a bad admits day that he had Clemson. a bad day against Clemson. But this is a different... I mean, if you think Ian Book was the is the major problem... Yeah. CMU uh, Pence fan, we love you. We take your yes. questions each week. I, I just... I've got, I've got to... Yes, I've got to object to the, the premise I'll say that. this. They, to win in Georgia, Ian Book would have to in no way resemble the quarterback that played Clemson. 
and no, absolutely. And I and like I that. and I think I mean I I do think, and I'm a little surprised by this, but I, I do think emotions impacted his performance at times last year, and yet again he after. Four weeks when he qualified, he was leading the nation in completion percentage. So I admit being nervous. Inaccuracy was tremendously accurate. When Brian Kelly said after the USC game, hey, he was nervous. It's his first time seeing that helmet. I remember thinking to myself, it's going to be a little different when he sees that Clemson helmet then, too, in the college football playoff stage. And that's all human nature, right? Apparently, it's my understanding that there was some real visible evidence on the sideline during the USC game. That indicates, yes. Well, yes. you know, there, that is a no-lose. That's a no-win situation. <laughs> Notre Dame was supposed to go in and hammer their rival who has all the talent in the world. And it's and it, you know what? You just couldn't, they couldn't get on top of them. And you start feeling. How did you, let's just, let's revisit how you and I felt yeah. sitting in the in the makeshift press box that they had. I, I mean, I was. I thought they might lose. I felt like I. A couple I, times. <laughs> my nerves were like I was coaching the game. That's how I felt. And you were really quiet. And that, that told me, <laughs> that told you everything you need to know. That told me how you were staring feeling. there waiting for the pass rush to get off. And I realized something, Yeah, no matter how good the, how well conditioned these guys are, there are some tired legs out yeah. there. Look, Ian book, Ian first. book is going to make significant strides this year. And I think it starts with just a calmness and a control of the situation. I'm confident He's a confident football player, but even that impacted him last year. I think he'll grow in that area. He probably has to be the most valuable player of the offense to make the playoffs, right? That's totally worth saying. He's the best. Yeah. He'll be the best player on the offense this year. Without but if he picks up where... He was the most valuable player this year. Yes, he, he won the he award. Was. Yeah. He'll, he'll be better. Jim Booney underscore CRS. What is more important for Notre Dame as a team coming out of the spring, that Kevin Austin wins the third receiver position or a starting Mike? Be named, and I think by being named, he means establishing kind of himself. Yeah, establishing himself. I think we're probably going to easily agree that it's the second one, the yes. Mike linebacker, because Michael Young is the third starting receiver right now. And he's and I, we like Michael Young a lot. I he's Kev, in my top ten in that class. In that class, I think coming he was out. my tenth. Kevin Austin, to be clear, was my number one. So obviously, I want Kevin Austin to become the game-breaking Michael Young type player at some point. But it doesn't have to be coming out of spring where he is completely or no. everyone's trust. And they do, and they need Kevin Austin to emerge <laughs> yes. by the fall. There's the absolutely fall. Yeah. no doubt about that. They do. Uh, by I would say maybe by during the season, Kevin Austin, being third dominant wide re- third receiver, would be pretty important. I for the offense. D- I know? I think Kevin Austin can move ahead of Michael Young. Yes. But think, right right now he's focus. not, and and that's okay because again. Um, you know, Chip Long talking about Michael Young and volunteering the information that he did about him. When he volunteers the information, that tells you that he is has made strides and they're they're happy with what they have up to this point. It's a good question though, because Michael Young is the quintessential look at the steel they got that develops, where Kevin Austin was they got a dude and he's coming in. True. And you expect in his second year Kevin Austin to be playing good football for Notre Dame. That is totally fair. Like, it's never fair to say the freshman should have been good for Notre Dame on a 12-0 team. It is totally fair to think that Kevin Austin is our top recruit, whatever that's worth, should be a good sophomore wide receiver. True, and, and should have been better at the end of his freshman year, yeah. and that was his own making. At WG Pennington, any news on Derek Ellen? I've not heard him mention on any podcasts and any press conferences. If you subscribe to Irish Illustrated, you would have read about him yesterday. I'm assuming you don't, WG. Uh, thoughts on his role moving forward? 
we heard he ran with the ones once. Now, I do think, obviously, he wouldn't run with the ones if Logan Gilman were practicing fully, but that means he is thought highly enough of to let's let have him rep there, not keeping a guy back, which is what it would have been if this was last August. In a Terry Gilman Joseph zone. is not down on Derek no. Allen. He thinks that he is on the rise. And that's what matters. And he's a safety, because I know the question is thoughts on his role moving forward. He is not... Uh, He's not in the plans to move to Rover, if that's what people are wondering. I understand why they wonder, because honestly, when I watched his high school film, I liked Derek Allen, I thought if this was 20 years ago, Derek Allen would be a Rover linebacker at Florida State, which was a compliment in two ways, because, you know, they get guys that they are safeties that might not be the fastest safety, but they sure are at linebacker. We are going to know, Derek Allen and so many players, we are going to know so much more about Derek Allen and, and players like him in the next, you know, starting next week. I haven't or, seen or the Derek next Allen month. in pads since last August. We, we have, we've never seen Derek Allen take a meaningful rep right. at, at Notre Dame. Uh, I asked uh, Clark Lee if Derek Allen, Paul Moala, and I was hinting at Kyle Hamilton, and he uh, kind of rebuked me for it, <laughs> was part of the reason that Houston Griffith moved. It's, it's you know, logically, is it, is it six and one half dozen? He said no. Um, he kind of answered all about Kyle Hamilton when I really wanted some information on Derek Allen. <laughs> well, let's, but, clar- let's clarify. He rebuked because he's not here yet, not yes. because he's no, not No, no, he just doesn't. He said, right. I would never expect someone to come in and do anything other than compete. It was, it was his only coach speak of the day. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, was, I want to hear a little bit about Derek Allen. And in fairness to the answer, Clark Lee hasn't seen enough of Derek Allen either. I think Derek Allen clearly will not be starting this year, and it is a 365-day project to prepare him to be a starter next year. Jalen Elliott and Alohi Gilman are possibly team captains together in the same safety backfield. And we don't, I know this dis- is disappointing people, but we don't expect Alohi Gilman to be on the 2020 team. No, we, we don't. I, I, his, unless he plays the whole year hurt and he just has to do it. Yeah. His whole mentality is to go pro after this year. He left Navy to become a professional football player. He likes Notre Dame, but it wasn't like he said, my whole life I wanted to go to Notre Dame, and that's why I transferred. Isn't it he funny how we, everywhere. I mean, a year ago now we're saying, man, they got him for three more years, yeah. and you know, we'll see. If it, well, going. no, a year ago now we're saying, I still haven't seen him take a single <laughs> yeah, rep. Yeah, exactly. We, His mindset is to go pro, and I totally agree, because he's not getting bigger, and you have two really good years. Go play. Yeah. Uh, no offense, WG, but... Um, we don't know enough about Derek Allen, but they we don't are not, know they are not yeah. down on Derek Allen. That's no. the best thing we can say. Right, correct. At Matt's Rogers. Thoughts on recruiting as a whole with the class of 2020? Any reason to be concerned with the low number of commitments compared to other playoff contenders? Uh, I don't really. I, 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 I have to admit that I have no idea what the other, other playoff, playoff contenders have as far as commitment-wise. But it, but I don't consider it at this stage. Well, two reasons why I don't consider it at this stage. Um, I mean, one, because it's, well, it's early, certainly. They're going to have a smaller class. We know that. Right. And um, they are in on they are in on a lot of big names. They are they are competing for a lot of big names. Um, five stars, no, not per se, but four stars that, based upon the film that I know that I've looked at and others have looked at, they're competing for a lot of good players. And the better the player, the less likely they are to be committed at this point to anybody. I think. I know this is the spring, but last summer people were complaining about taking some linebackers that wasn't going to leave enough room for other people. There's going to be complaints. You either take guys too early. Right, right, right. Or you don't have enough guys. I no, think, they, look, Notre Dame should have a good cycle after 12-0 and and what we think is a 10-win team. 
Did I say 10? Oh. You know, you know what I'm saying. In yeah. that rate, they're, they they're going to be a contending team. This year they have. Yeah, now, you know, if Chris Tyree wanted to verbally commit, well, then you would, then of course, you, that would be great. But when you look at the, when you look at the names slash film that accompanies those names, there's a reason why they're not committed. They're too good to be committed at yeah. this point. They are the, they are the ones to be wooed throughout most of the recruiting process. Which so, is fine. Which is, which is absolutely fine. And it's It's just going to be a narrower class. Uh, because of the, I mean, the last two, you know, you've brought in a lot of players the last couple of years, so it's going to have to narrow a little bit. And we will. Anything you want to add to that, Tim? I don't. I don't have trouble with the timing of of, of things like that. We're in March. It's not a. Yeah, I just you know, don't. I, I just think there, that's I'm the least important the factor. You, you now, if you start, if these guys were committing elsewhere, all your top targets, that is different. Correct. That's not yet the case. No. No. Uh, last one. We're gonna. We will finish with a basketball question from Spudboy. Tell, uh, tell me to bed forever. <laughs> t- yeah, and we yes, and there will be no more basketball talk unless uh, unless they get an amazing commitment here this spring. <laughs> uh, t- tell me at least that you think Notre Dame basketball can make the NIT next year. So you're basically saying see you in the fall about that amazing commitment this spring, right? We'll yeah. talk to you about basketball again in October. Yeah. Tell me at least you think. Oh, I read that wrong. I thought how could I do it? wrote it yeah. wrong. <laughs> I do think they can make the NIT next year. I think that's actually what the final disappointing finish will be, but it will be bubble, and they'll be in the NIT. However, whether it's top-level NIT or sneaking in the NCAA, I think you need three quality players out of Durham, Mooney, and Leshevsky. Three to make two. The, the offense won't work. I don't, you can't have those three out there in the, in the Bray offense, but three to make two. Mooney is one, obviously, already. Yeah. But you can't have Durham be good against Binghamton and then not again until February well, and, I, and again, it's getting back 28th. to the – right. In the yeah. opening segment, TJ Gibbs has to play oh, sound uh, basketball. He, it's coming on him. TJ. <laughs> he has to shoot less. TJ Gibbs can't take 18 shots a game. Why is TJ Gibbs shooting 18 times if he's going to hit five? It's and they're bad shots. He takes bad shots. Well, they they everybody missed. Sh- they were they, they were, were all just, missing, they were a terrible you, shooting. You can't team. have a bad shooter to miss yeah. and taking bad shots. All right, I, I don't want to dwell too much on basketball to end our podcast today because I think we had a pretty good one. Can they make uh, the nit? <laughs> yes, right? yes, they're absolutely. They'll absolutely make the nit. Can they? And the the real question is, can they? Okay, they're they're moving to twenty games next year. All right, can they be ten and ten? I mean, that's I don't, the goal of the team, I would think, right there. 10 and 10 yeah. would probably... Unfortunately, well, Bray, unfortunately will, Bray, Bray will, will say, say that. that. <laughs> and it'll make us mad, even though we agree with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like lowered expectations, but they won. They won. They beat two teams, yeah. Georgia Tech and BC. It's just, it's too, it's too early to tell on that. But, but this but team they is have a logical not... NIT team that could, uh, that you will enter late February and say, boy, if they can somehow beat Louisville, they, they will, might get up back on the bubble, right? They will be above a 500 team next year. And it's interesting as you watch the tournament, uh, the conference tournaments right now, man, there's a lot of 17 and 14 teams out there. And Notre Dame should have been a 17 and 14 team. And we're not saying they should have made the NCAA tournament this year, but they no. should have been They should no. have been one of those last eight out types. No. All right. Absolutely not. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, we Our next podcast is going to come Tuesday, March 19th. Um, we will have no access to practice, but we'll talk to Brian Kelly, and then we'll have something, a podcast later that day. Then we'll have a podcast on Friday, March 22nd. So it's Tuesday and Friday of next week. We have full open practice on Thursday, which will mean we'll need time to write. There'll be no interviews after that. We'll need time to write 
practice reports. And I did I say this last week? I, I want to let everybody know that when we have an open practice, a full open practice, the practice report after we do interviews, instant analysis, practice report's going to come much later because we just don't have time to get that written up. This particular so, case we got right. to do. So I'm probably going to post that on a message board as well. Be patient. It's just going to take us time to get to those things. I know people want to, especially when it's a full practice, they want to know you know everything that happened. So we appreciate you being here, and we'll, uh, we'll have another podcast on Tuesday, March 19th.